Welcome to the Radical Reverend Show, and by the way, out there in listener land, this is the last show before the summer break, and then we're back in September, and we are going out with a bang here. Uh, we have uh, two of our best guests on, and this is going to be, uh, we, you know, we have a show called Left, Left, or Leftist, but this is kind of leftist, leftist, leftist today. We've got Alex Grant from Fight Back, and we've got Nikki Ashton, of course, MP, who has been on the show before. And uh, welcome to you both. It's great to see you. Great to have you on. I'm so thrilled to be back. Thank you for having us, Sherry. Yeah, great to be in with both of you. So, so let's jump in right away. It's been quite the time. And, and because this is a wrap-up show, we're going to be kind of looking at the year that was, especially in politics, because as we know, legislators uh, are kind of about to go on summer breaks as well. So let's talk about that. But first uh, and foremost, uh, tomorrow night, I'm speaking at our City Hall Square, Nathan Phillips Square here in Toronto, along with others uh, about the terrorist attack, let's call it what it was, that happened in London, Ontario, against family just going out for an evening stroll, um, killed. Uh, so, you know, condolences, prayers, of course, but, um, but the real issue here is Islamophobia, is anti-Muslim hatred, and is racism. Let's just face it. So, so what do we need to do? What are we not doing that we should be doing? Nikki, I'm going to start with you because this isn't the first time and it won't be the last time. And as Jugmeet said, uh, and I think it's absolutely accurate, I mean, it's not safe to walk out wearing a hijab in this town or probably any town in Canada. So what do we do, Nikki? The terrorist attack, the killing in in London, the Islamophobic killing in London is is uh, you know has has really shaken all of us you know and I I, I also want to share my condolences and very much my solidarity with Muslim uh, communities across the country uh, and uh, I think what's really clear is that that we we need to go beyond the the, the thoughts and prayers that we hear from Justin Trudeau uh, and others. And, and move towards action. Uh, you know, we, we have the Etobicoke attack that uh, took place not long ago. There was, of course, the, the mass shooting in Quebec City. And, uh, and Canada has not taken Islamophobia seriously, uh, has not taken action on this. Uh, and, and I think we also need to be very clear, this is tied in with the rise of white supremacy in our country. Uh, it's very much tied in with the, uh, uh, the, the way in which white supremacy and uh, deep-seated misogyny are connected. Uh, and, and frankly, the rise of fascism, where we've seen so much more uh, an increase in hate crimes uh, overall, uh, but uh, particularly targeting racialized communities uh, over over during this pandemic, right? So we need to take it seriously. Uh, there's been, of course, been calls around a summit on this issue to hear from Muslim communities about what needs to be done. Uh, but we need to, to tackle the rise of white supremacy, the rise of the far right, uh, and um, 
you know, I think there's various tools to be able to do that, denouncing, calling it out, denouncing it, uh, um, uh, putting resources behind uh, uh, dealing with it, in, including identifying, uh, you know, where this radicalization, where this rise of white supremacy and fascism is happening. Uh, and uh, uh, and I, I would say, I mean, we can learn from other jurisdictions that that have have uh, um, uh, uh, charged uh, uh, not not just obviously the perpetrators as, as, as this person ought to be, this, this murderer ought to be, uh, but also those that, that uh, um, contribute to the rise of white supremacy. And then I think we also need to very much make it clear that, that Islamophobia is, is, is not uh, just a, uh, a one-off or an individual act. Uh, we've seen successive uh, governments um, uh, put forward Islamophobic-based policy, uh, you know, beating the drum of war against uh, Muslim countries. Uh, we need to be able to to put an end to that uh, uh, that that targeting of uh, of of Muslim countries of of, uh, of imperialist wars. Uh, we we also need to be very clear. We saw this in Israel and Palestine. The the uh, failure to 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 uh, uh, humanize uh, Palestinians and and, uh, and and those who were under under attack, recognizing that uh, Islamophobia runs deep through the way we tell our stories, right? The media, uh, through the way the policies that we put forward. I mean, we had, you know, I mean, no, none of us will forget, right? The the Harper's push for the uh, um, uh, what was it? The, the the tip line, the Canadian values test, you know. And yeah, well, now we have Trudeau, uh, but what is he actually doing besides thoughts and, and prayers? You know, this is a performative. PM who uh, who says he's he stands with every single community and then isn't isn't doing anything uh, to actually take action and of course you know many of us progressive socialists are very concerned as well about what's been happening in Quebec uh, and and uh, uh, Bill 21 there uh, you know and I I think we we need to be very clear that uh, um, you know we we need to. Uh, call out Islamophobia that is is encouraged and perpetrated through policies, uh, um, you know, uh, across the board, and we need to put we need to put a stop to it. Yeah, I mean, the state telling women what to wear is uh, really, I think, beyond bounds here. Uh, Alec, let's go to you. Um, so you've heard what Nikki said. What kinds of policies? What kind of changes do we need so that this doesn't happen? Yeah, well, totally tragic. Just a <clears throat> family out for a walk. And uh, to, to be mowed down like this by uh, a fascist individual, right? And and who knows what groups he was part of. Actually, I noticed that the police have been very, very tight-lipped. And I suspect that they've scrubbed the uh, the internet for a lot of, a lot of information. Uh, so we, we don't know exactly where he came from, but the, the culture is Islamophobia that absolutely comes from the media and politicians, right from the war on terror. And, uh, and then, yes, you've got the barbaric cultural practices hotline of uh, Stephen Harper. And, and you've got the right wing media promoting this all the time. And even for, you know, mass demonstrations in solidarity with Palestine. And then right-wing politicians and liberal politicians repeating a lie from a far-right uh, Islamophobic hate group allied with the Proud Boys that uh, this Palestinian solidarity demo was inciting violence against Jews, was Islamophobic. And then that was picked up by the media 
and politicians. So that is the culture of Islamophobia. What one in terms of action, I think we have to uh, we have to center working class organizations and immigrant organizations and organizations of the oppressed in fighting the far right. And then we can't just leave it to the state. We can't just, you know, we at the amazing Black Lives Matter movement that was calling for defund or abolish the police. But we can't then, if faced with violence like this, say, oh, now we refund police to, to fight the far right. No, the job of fighting the far right is by working class people and oppressed people themselves, because we, we cannot trust the state. And actually, half the time, you'll find the police are putting a ring of protection around far-right protesters, Islamophobic protesters. Actually, I remember just up the road for me on the Danforth, uh, I, I, sadly, you know, we had um, uh, an individual with uh, uh, who, who was having a, a mental health problems, who there was the shooting on the Danforth. But then the far-right tried to use that to rile up uh, the community in an Islamophobic way. And the community said, hell no. And actually, Councillor Paula Fletcher, she, she led a counter demonstration against that and said, no, we don't want any of these uh, 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 hateful uh, ideas in our neighborhood. And so that's exactly the right way to oppose this. It should be from the bottom up, from working class people themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, part of the problem of, I see it is uh, the, the rise of the right wing in our media and our mainstream media, quite frankly, uh, the consolidation of ownership there and consolidation of ideology there. Um, uh, you know, we were speaking just before we started, Nikki, um, about, you know, where's, and, you know, not that it's perfect, but, you know, we don't have the guardian. We don't have a guardian in Canada. We don't, you know, what do we have? We have the Toronto Star, which is big L liberal. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and clearly so. And then we've got conservative press, um, for the most part, that's mildly or not mildly conservative. Um, this is what we're dealing with. And then we've got the far right press, which is phenomenally successful. I mean, the Ontario Prouds and the, you know, the, the, the ones, you know, um, you know, rebel <laughs> that support the, the, the right wing of the Conservative Party. So you know, it partly we've got a real media problem in this in this country. So let's just segue into that because I want to get to indigenous, uh, of course, next. But um, what do we do about the media? How do we get the news out, Nikki? Oh wow, it's so apparent to me, and we we um, that you know the problem in Canada is only only becoming worse. Uh, you know, thank goodness for for podcasts like yours, Sherry, and uh, uh, and others across uh, our universe that um, um, share critical perspectives, uh, bring us together, share our stories. Um, you know, and I, I, of course, you know, the last time I think the three of us interacted more formally was was the event that uh, that I had the honor of hosting not too long ago with Jeremy Corbyn for Progressive International, and uh, and we had the the mainstream media, the Canadian mainstream media, apoplectic. Uh, right, the 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 attacks against Corbyn, against uh, against me, you know, against all of us uh, that believe in Corbyn, uh, and um, 
and and it was just it was shocking, right? I mean, you know, did I think they would they would agree and think this idea this event is a great idea? No. Did I think they would be as obsessive as they were? Also, no. But I think it really speaks to to just how extreme uh, the Canadian mainstream media has become. You know, how consolidated these editorial boards have have become. How how consolidated the ownership has become. And uh, now, of course, we know that the government actually funds. <laughs> <laughs> the media as well in in uh, you know under the guise of of it's a difficult time um now they they uh, you know a lot of these folks are actually benefiting from from uh, from state funding so i i um you know i really do think it's it's critical to support alternative media progressive media I think this has been an exciting time for that, uh, but also it's important to uh, um, to also connect internationally. And uh, uh, you know, some of the best mainstream stories uh, that have uh, come out recently, especially in light of the horrific find of the 215 children at the Kamloops Residential School, was actually in international media, right? Where 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 you had sort of a lens from the outside, a progressive, more progressive lens, saying, "Hold on." This is Canada, you know. What the hell is going on here, right? And and uh, um, you know, and so it's it's uh, um, you know, and and I really do think this is this is part of why we need to build international solidarity, uh, you know, build solidarity amongst our movements, as, as Alex was also talking about earlier. Um, you know, it, it's it's finding ways to support uh, uh, progressive outlets, progressive voices, uh, and uh, and and and. You know, at the international level as well, it comes back and and uh, uh, and helps us uh, helps us all. Um, yeah, but I, I do think it's it's uh, it is a very concerning situation, and uh, um, you know, and it's it's only getting worse. But it, but I also see that there's a greater disconnect with where Canadians are at, right? I mean, the the, the way in which the COVID nineteen pandemic was covered, um, you know, we we didn't hear uh, um, uh, nearly as much as we should have heard about why it is we lost so many. Of our elders, our elderly in care homes, right? We 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 didn't hear about about uh, um, you know there were sporadic stories, and and I was very much involved in getting some of these these out there around around the disproportionate hit on Indigenous communities, uh, and then of course what we what we also shamefully didn't hear, uh, with the exception of of a couple of reporters here and there, was was the way in which the working class has paid for the COVID nineteen crisis with their lives, right? And and then uh, you know but. But people know these stories. Communities know these stories during this time of crisis, uh, and uh, you know we've seen in incredible reporting on social media. You know, and one person I think of is Nora Loretto, who's done incredible work on on uh, on the pandemic. Um, you know, it 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 uh, it really proves that the media isn't actually reflecting Canadian stories, and uh, and and perhaps diving into what needs to be done, with the exception of a few reporters here and there. So I think that that disconnect also though shows that there's power in in uh, um harnessing you know that that disconnect and and really uh um you know finding any and all ways that we can profile the lives uh and the the voices of uh, uh of of canadians who are who are uh you know at the forefront of 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 the daily struggle of, of living in this country um thanks nikki uh, we're talking of course here on the radical reverend show to nikki ashton mp and to alex grant from fight back. Um, I, I, like many, uh, watch the news sporadically, um, but get probably most of my news from uh, social media. Uh, and, uh, and of course, I get it from like minds there. And I suspect that for this 20 year old, you know, fascist, 
who attacked and killed these uh, this family, that he was getting his information from like minds too. So we've got this dangerous polarization to um, on uh, online in terms of how we get information uh, as well. So just throwing that in. Let's let's move then to the two fifteen children, and of course. We all know that small, uh, this is a small group, I mean, some 3,200 children uh, was the last figure I saw that have died in residential schools. We know that there are other graveyards. We hope that these other children are found and unearthed by indigenous. Uh, Nikki, you uh, work and live in uh, close to First Nations and indigenous folk. First of all, what is the reaction up there to this find? What is the call? Uh, what do we do? What do they want us to do? And what are they doing? Well, first of all, it was it was earth shattering, right? The, the news here was a an absolute confirmation of what First Nations know to be true that uh, these weren't actually schools; they were they were prisons. In some cases, torture chambers. Um, uh, I was I was at uh, at an event uh, ceremony, a socially distanced ceremony to to honor these children, and uh, there were four other speakers besides myself. Three out of the four speakers talked about uh, um, about relatives that they had lost at residential school, right? I mean, you know, this the 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 level of of uh, um, uh, pain suffering um, uh, trauma that I have seen um, shared so openly in the last two weeks, I've never seen before. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've been doing this work for 12 years. Um, you know, there, there was the initial apology just before I got elected. And of course, Jack Layton was a key part of that. Uh, you know, there was, there was I Don't Know More, which was an incredible uh, um, social movement that, uh, that arose and affected change. Um, this is, I would say, another flashpoint in time, but it is rooted in trauma, in grief, and uh, and it, it's truly like nothing I've I've ever ever seen. It's it's absolutely um, uh, it, it has been such a difficult time for survivors, for their children, uh, for their grandchildren here in this part of the country. Uh, and um, you know, and I and I've seen a lot of non-indigenous Canadians, settler white Canadians, sort of say like, you know, how is this possible, right? You know, and 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 people that know about residential schools, but how is this possible? The magnitude here: two hundred and fifteen children that were abducted and sent to a school uh, and uh, um, and killed, left to die without their families ever knowing what happened to them, right? Without the decency of, of having a, a grave with a name and a ceremony with their, their family, their community. I mean, it really is, um, it's, it's, it's shocking. Uh, but what is what I've also seen is a very clear shift in terms of the discussion. Um, people are very clear, and and you know I'm really proud of of um, you know proud to stand with my colleague Leah Gazan uh, and our NDP team in the House today. We called on Parliament to recognize this as genocide, um, you know, uh, and uh, uh, and that's something we're going to be continuing to push. And you know, not surprisingly, the Conservatives. Uh, spoke out against this call, um, you know, and and uh, it's not clear that the Liberals would have supported it either. But uh, but it is genocide, and we have to call it as such. We also need to make sure 
that there are a number of concrete actions that are taken coming out of this. First of all, First Nations that want to go ahead and search the grounds of the residential schools imposed on them have to be able to do that. That's not the case right now. Uh, I've been working closely with Pemichikamak Cree Nation. Uh, they are driving this for their community. And instead, uh, and they've actually called for an international organization to come in and help them. They, they, they have experience in covering uncovering genocides and conflict zones. Uh, and uh, they sent a letter to the prime minister and the prime minister uh, wrote back uh, and said, um, uh, you know, we're with you and completely ignored their call. Uh, and they were sent an email with a, 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 a grant that they can apply for to uncover genocide. I mean, it's just, it's just, so insulting. Uh, and so so it's critical that we we continue to support their calls to do these searches. Not everybody is ready or in a place to do that, but some First Nations have, have made it clear that they are. We need to support those calls. Uh, we also need to make sure that uh, there's healing in place. These programs were cut under Stephen Harper, never revived under Justin Trudeau. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, and, and that there needs to be support for that. Um, we need to make sure that we stop fighting First Nations kids in court. Um, you know, Cindy Blackstock obviously has has been uh, such an advocate on this. Uh, you know, and despite the fact that the Liberals supported our NDP motion to to and agreed by doing so um, uh, to to drop the 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 court case or the challenge. Um, uh, it looks like is it, it's still carrying on, right? So, so the genocide is ongoing. This is not historic. This the the uh, the the trauma, uh, the the, uh, the the death rate, right? Is 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 still very much, uh, um, you know, it, this is uh, this is a glaring glaring injustice, and uh, and we need to 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 make sure that we are uh, we are there in solidarity and pushing for decolonization. You know, there's so many people that I've spoken to that have said reconciliation never was, uh, and 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 we're certainly uh, we're we're certainly further than we've ever been. So it's really not about decolonization at this time. Uh, it is about uncovering the truth, and it is about fighting for decolonization. And there's some concrete actions that need to take place. But if I can just add one more thing, when we're talking about genocide, and I know Sherry, you've been such an outspoken ally uh, on on this very issue, the the Canadian colonial uh, uh, approach has been to uh, um, uh, segregate, oppress, eradicate Indigenous peoples so that the lands can be exploited for the benefit of, of producing profit. And that continues to this very day against uh, the, the, uh, the will, the rights of Indigenous peoples, right? So, so these struggles against genocide, are, this is, is, a, is a struggle, uh, you know, when it comes to um, the old growth forest in BC, uh, when it comes to, uh, um, you know, mining and, and forestry development, uh, hydroelectric development that is not uh, uh, desired and, and supported by, by First Nations, uh, pipelines, obviously, right? So, so we need to be very clear. And I would say as, as, as progressives and as, as socialists, we were able to, to make some of these connections, but I would say we have to be very clear that there is, there can be no justice on this land without Indigenous justice, and we need to center the struggle for decolonization and the struggle for justice for Indigenous peoples in everything that we do uh, today and, and uh, tomorrow going forward. Yeah, we just had uh, Leah Gazan on my last show, um, uh, and uh, she spoke about that, among other things. Um, uh, Alex, uh, there's a major Major money on Bay Street comes from mining um, and uh, in Canada, and we're, we are among, of course, uh, miners of the world. 
uh, and in a horrendous way. Um, and it's also, of course, on indigenous land, the stolen land that we're, we're pulling this wealth out of the earth. Um, and uh, I, and I always, you know, when we start to talk about this, I always think of the reality that Canada invented apartheid. We, you know, South Africa copied it from our example. Um, so if you, I'll, you know, what would you like to add to what uh, Nikki yeah, yeah. said here? Well, it's been said that capitalism is horror without end. And the discovery of these children at the Camden School just shows us what that means. And then that could be repeated at hundreds of other schools. I, I think the Truth and Reconciliation Commission said there were 50 children died at that institution, but they found 215 bodies, right? So the estimates of the numbers of killed is massive underestimate and and who knows so yes absolutely uh, it is a genocide in fact from uh colonization to 1900 it is estimated that in the americas 175 million excess deaths of indigenous people 175 million that is not just a genocide, it is genocides, right? Because they're different people, right? It's not just one indigenous people, it's different people. It's a, it's a whole series of genocides. And, and, and there are many First Nations who do not exist today because they have been, they've been uh, eradicated. It, it, it is, and this is entirely the legacy of capitalism that the indigenous people were killed because they were in the way. You know, the inconvenient Indian, to, to quote a, a book, that from John A. MacDonald ramming a railroad through the Metis and killing uh, Luriel, uh, that's for money. That's for money. To today, a pushing through a pipeline, four and a half billion dollars for a pipe pipeline, which is more money than it costs to fix boil water. They had the money for the pipeline and they still cannot fix the tainted water on reserve. That people, you know, you get uh, people say, oh, why, why, it's a long time ago. Why can't indigenous people get over it? Well, the last residential school closed in 1996. It's not a long time ago. And all of the social conditions are horrendous. You know, double unemployment, you know, uh, I think it's like, was it four times suicide rate, eight times imprisonment rate, uh, all, all, of, all of the social indicators are terrible. This is an ongoing genocide. The it, ha it hasn't gone away. And that's why, yes, we must uh, provide the resources now, provide the resources now that the indigenous people are demanding for their needs today, but there needs to be a, a, a just uh, arrangement between uh, the Canadian working class population and indigenous communities to give full employment, free education, uh, be a genuine control over their own traditional lands and, and no imposition, no profiteering. And, and that in some ways that's actually going back to 
sort of pre-colonization indigenous communities in an economy of sharing, an economy of equality. That, that's many of the, uh, the First Nations communities lived like that prior to colonial capitalism. And so, so, th th so that informs my socialism, uh, but I, I don't want to go back to um, sort of, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago in terms of uh, the standard of living, but I do want to take the, the current uh, standard of living and generalize that and collectivize that. And we've got a hell of a lot to learn from indigenous people. Thanks, Alex. Um, it has been said that there are more children taken from homes now in care from Indigenous families than there were in residential schools. So it's also that startling and horrendous statistic. Um, let's, uh, I, I noticed that both of you used the term socialism. Um, it's, it's a, a word that you don't often hear in the NDP. Uh, and, and I want to just note that, and I want to talk about that a little bit. I mean, Bernie Sanders used it a lot, um, made it an okay term to use um, uh, on a much broader scale. Uh, why, like, what is, um, you know, when I think about the founders of the CCF and the, you know, the, the early and, and the start of the New Democratic Party as named as such, um, that was a word that was pretty commonplace, it seems to me. Uh, Nikki, I'm going to go back to you. What's with what's in a word? Um, and why isn't it used pretty, you know, generally and liberally in I shouldn't say liberally, generally in the NDP? Well, I was gonna I was gonna say, I mean, I was so looking forward to to our chat today, because I was going to be able to use that word and, and you know, not have to explain or sort of, you know, hold fragile feelings or whatever. I, um, you know, I, I really I think honestly, and, and and I can see your 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 book in the background there, Sherry, um, which which uh, throws the S word around a lot. Um, you know, I I really. Um, you know, to me, and, and, you know, of course, we've seen a number of waves through the NDP in the last few years, including, of course, when, when um, embarrassingly, we took the word socialist out of our constitution. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, but I, I've seen sort of the, the ebb and flow where you have so many young people in our party, young activists, uh, driven as well by, by fight back and, and uh, folks like yourself, Alex, uh, that, uh, that are bringing the word back and most importantly are bringing the politics back, right? And, and what's old is new again, right? I mean, you know, um, I, uh, I mean, Sherry, you've always been hip and trendy and, and, and you know, on the cutting edge. Um, I, you know, I think, I think Bernie's politics Politics have always been hip and and on the cutting edge. Uh, um, you know Jeremy Corbyn, right? You know it's it's uh, um, you know it's it's been folks like yourselves, activists like yourselves, that uh, that have made clear that the principled politics, a socialist, uh, unabashedly socialist vision for our world is 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 what we need uh, to to face the challenges that that we have in front of us. And, uh, and, and the, the a lot of the young folks that uh, that are involved in, in social movements right now, uh, that are, are pushing the NDP to be more progressive, uh, are, are saying we need to be proud of our socialist roots, we need to be proud of, of socialist principles. Uh, and, um, 
you know, and for, for me, I mean, the COVID-19 crisis has, has only proven, uh, you know, the way, the extent to which neoliberalism, uh, our, our current uh, uh, version of, of capitalism is, is not just uh, dangerous, but, but deadly. Uh, and, uh, and deadly here in a country that is, uh, uh, that is as wealthy, right? But, but what we've seen is, is so many um, uh, take advantage of, of, uh, uh, of, workers of 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 people uh, in the name of profit right and so i think that that uh, a lot of young people are are being driven they may they may not always use the word socialist but it's certainly reflected in the politics they're putting forward uh, and uh, and that hunger for for justice for racial justice for social justice for environmental justice for economic justice these struggles are are very much premised on on the absolute failure of capitalism of neoliberalism and the need for a, a socialist vision of our world. And it's not just a, a convenient or a good idea, it's necessary, right? Our, our world is on fire. Inequality is, is, is uh, uh, you know, is at levels we, we haven't seen the likes of. Um, the rise of the far right really speaks to the fact that we need a, a bold, transformative vision for our world, and I see more and more of that. And the work that that both of you have done to to support uh, Progressive International, for example, is is uh, is a sign that that there's a hunger not just here in Canada but around the world uh, for a socialist vision, a a progressive, unabashedly progressive vision for our politics. I hope that the NDP will one day soon be okay with bringing the word back, uh, because uh, I mean that's that's where we're going. That's where we've got to go. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing when Bernie Sanders uses the word that we can't, you know what I mean? Um, I, I also wanted to just jump in and say, you mentioned uh, that wonderful evening with uh, Jeremy Corbyn and yourself, Nikki. And uh, and by the way, if you just tuned in, I'm talking to uh, Alex uh, Grant from Fight Back and Nikki Ashton, MP um, and, and leadership candidate in the last leadership uh, race for the NDP. Um, uh, and, uh, and that is not only, I'm sure, on YouTube somewhere, but it's also... Uh, we podcast that as well on the Radical Reference Show, and you can find it in on SoundCloud or iTunes that evening. Um, I'm thinking as you were speaking about the Air Canada fiasco um, with the, you know, the, a company that got bailed out that uh, kind of just funneled the money to its execs. Now, there's a, I mean, first of all, I, I think a lot of Canadians probably think Air Canada is actually, you know, nationalized, is public, you know, like is owned by <laughs> and uh, and it could be or should be alex uh, jump in there so so socialism first of all you know maybe just expand what what does the word what does the word mean i mean um I, bernie uses it the squad uses it in the states uh we're using it right now our founders of the ndp used it um ndp seems a little skittish about it uh and using it at times um what are we talking about well, I, I guess there's many definitions of socialism. My favorite one is a society without classes, a society from each according to their ability to each according to their need, right? And uh, actually to go back to the NDP, the, I, I've been to meetings and, and you get told sort of like, oh, people, people will be scared of that word and everything's got to be polled and it's got to be focused group. Well, I give you a poll 58% of Canadians support socialism, right? It's not a scary word, especially when capitalism is failing all around us. And, and the, the COVID crisis is the most explicit example of that. 
the extreme inequality while uh, working class people are either being laid off or putting harm's way in, in essential workplaces, the billionaires doing nothing but clipping coupons, they got, I think it's $68 billion. They amassed $68 billion extra wealth. They actually increased the dead money, corporations increased dead money from 1 trillion, which is a scandal, to 1.6 trillion in a single year. Explain what you mean by dead money. Yeah, so this is money just sitting in bank accounts. It's not invested. It's not, you know, uh, it's not collecting interest even. It's not, it's doing nothing. They've got nothing to do with it. It is like a mountain of gold that the dragon is sitting on and totally useless. And they did, they amassed $600 billion last year. And, and so that, put, put that into context, the cost of free education is about $10 billion in Canada. And, the, and, they, and they just hoarded 600 billion. So free education is peanuts by comparison. So the, the, the wealth exists, but there's an increase um, uh, concentration with the rich. And, and so we need to fight for that equality and, and nationalization, public ownership and workers control are a vital part of socialism. And Air Canada is a most clear example. Yeah, so what, what have they just been bailed out by about five or six billion dollars, while they were gifting themselves bonuses, bonuses for firing people. That's what they got their bonuses for, for most successfully firing people. That's what those executives got bonuses of. And the bailout itself was enough to nationalize the majority of Air Canada. So we should run it. We can't, you know, these bosses and these bankers, they don't create wealth. They hoard it. They don't provide essential services for people. It is actually minimum wage workers. It is Amazon workers. It is Canada Post workers. It is hospital workers. It is teachers and uh, it, it uh, is manufacturing workers. Those are the people who are essential. And the bankers and the bosses re really don't do anything productive. They just hoard the wealth. So putting the economy and society under control of working class people, that's what socialism is. Uh, we're talking here, of course, about all things left on the Radical Reverend Show. Um, as you were speaking, Alex, I was thinking about Christian Freeland uh, doing the happy dance about getting 15% taxes from 15% taxes from big tech. Um, so this is a global deal. And I, I, I'm thinking your average worker uh, pays way more than that um, in terms of the percentage of taxes they pay on their income. And we're, we're thrilled to get 15% from people who are billionaires. I mean, that, that was kind of shocking to me. I mean, it's something, yeah, but I mean, it shows the, the, the depth, the breadth of the problem here. Um, and again, uh, you know, just to quote Marx here, um, who always said, you know, it's two choices, kind of socialism or barbarism. Um, and if you look at the far right or the rise of the far right, it's, it's sort of some days in, in a depressing mood, seems like barbarism is winning. And certainly when you look at the climate crisis, um, where we're really looking at an existential crisis, um, it looks like barbarism is is winning there. Um, so what I mean, and I want to bring it back to the left because we have to own some of this, right? Like, so what haven't we done? What do we need to do to turn this Titanic around, Nikki. 
Well, I would say we we need to uh, build our movements for for transformative change. Uh, we need to find ways to build solidarity uh, amongst movements, working class movements, uh, indigenous justice movements, uh, racial justice movements, climate justice movements. Uh, you know, it, it's um, you know our, our our struggles for justice are interconnected. Uh, our struggles against injustice are interconnected, and uh, and we need to do this work with a sense of of uh, of urgency. Um, you know, and, and a lot of this work, I should say, activists on the ground are doing that already. We've, we've seen tremendous, uh, um, you know, we saw that in, in the Black Lives Matter uh, activism. You know, we're, we're seeing even during COVID the the outpouring around, uh, um, you know, again, uh, what came out of Kamloops um, and more recently the Islamophobic uh, terrorist attack in, in London. Right. We're seeing that movements are connecting and are building that solidarity. And I think it's really incumbent for for, um, you know, political parties like the NDP uh, to 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 work in solidarity with these movements and uh, um, you know and, and to really uh, support the priorities that are being put forward uh, on uh, public ownership that that you brought up, Alex, right on uh, a transformative vision for our economy, uh, right on uh, climate, on uh, um, uh, you know uh, fighting poverty, uh, right. So so it's it's. Uh, uh, it's incumbent on us. And, and, and I would say, uh, you know, there's an electoral aspect as well. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, young people are very much uh, in, in support of bold ideas like free education, uh, you know, uh, like bold action on, on, on housing, uh, on, on pharmacare, right. On, uh, on the economy. So the, the, the question is, you know, where are our political parties? And, and uh, you know, and I've seen some some movement in the right direction, uh, but but we need to see more of that, especially given the urgent nature, nature of the issues that we're, we're facing um, right now. Uh, and, um, you know, I just, I really, I really, uh, you know, I want to acknowledge the, the incredible work of Fight Back and others who've been organizing in a challenging time, uh, at a time when, when working people, many young people, many racialized workers, many workers on the margins, have have been, um, uh, you know, exploited to the max. Many of them have died because we we haven't protected them, because our state hasn't protected them, because corporations have have worked them to the bone without the protections and supports they need, right? But you've proven that even during this crisis, and especially during this crisis, uh, you know, there, it's time to build that solidarity and to push back and to connect with political activism. And and uh, you know, I certainly, from my end, it's a priority to say, hey. This is what people are talking about. This is what we need to be talking about. And there's many of us uh, doing that. But I will say, you know, to, to put another plug in, um, I think it's also really important to find ways to build solidarity across borders. There is some exciting work happening around the world. You know, I, I, I'm watching closely the winds in Latin America. Um, you know, I, I know many, many, many of us progressives are excited about uh, um, uh, the the hopeful rise of, of Lula in Brazil again, right? You know, taking on the extreme far right and, uh, um, you know, and making a difference for working people, uh, you know, and so so there are signs of hope, uh, including here in our own country. Uh, we just, uh, we need to find ways and those of us in politics uh, need need to do everything we can uh, to, uh, to push our parties to be bolder, to be uh, listening and working in solidarity with with social movements that have the solutions uh, for for the immense challenges that we all face. 
and and we know we can uh, we can get things done if we do. Um, and Nikki, just want to send a shout out in your direction. Uh, thank you for your outspokenness and thank you for the work you do. I know it's not easy. <laughs> I was in electoral politics too. Um, I talk about it in my book. Um, I know it's not easy, but um, but you can actually do something. You can get things done. Um, and just before I go to Alex, I want to ask you, what is the rumble about? Is, is there going to be an election sort of late summer, early fall? Is What's the rumble around the hill? Well, I was going to say, when the going gets tough, your book is a source of inspiration and strength, Sherry, uh, as are, as are your, 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 your text messages and, and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy, but, um, you know, but we keep going, right, because there's no choice, right, and, and especially uh, for the communities that we work with and represent and, and that we're a part of, right, I mean, it's just, there's no question. Um, there is rumbling, for sure. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, we're heading towards the shelf life of a minority very quickly. Uh, there's a lot of talk of an election in, in early fall. Um, you know, uh, your guess is as good as mine on more details than that. But uh, but we've certainly passed the window of, of, of a summer election. Uh, obviously, we know Canada's really failed on the vaccine front. Uh, and so that's uh, that that uh, dragged things out uh, even further as it should. The priority has to be getting people vaccinated and, and uh, keeping people safe. Um, but uh, uh, but I think we're 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 definitely going to be in an election in the fall. Um, okay, so just shout out to everybody out there listening, either on podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever, um, that you uh, contribute to this woman's campaign when she runs, because you know we need her back. Thank <laughs> Alex, you, Sherry. <laughs> Thank you, everybody listening. Alex, I'm going to go back to you now. Um, uh, back on the topic of, you know, what needs to happen to save our planet. Um, so the common reaction when you say, well, you know, what we need to do, for example, is, you know, Cup W had a great to the postal workers, had a great suggestion of doing, you know, banking through the postal stations, you know, let's, you know, nationalize the big banks. I mean, there's a whole lot of money that, you know, goes out the window. Um, and, um, you know, and, and yes, you know, things like if, you know, GM says, well, we're moving our plant to Mexico, you take the plant over and you let the workers run it. Um, uh, but I mean, now, you know, the, the reaction is usually, but what about, you know, the lawsuits and, you know, that, you know, you'd have, you know, they want their money that the army would get ready. Like we've seen this. I mean, this is not, you know, a a nightmare. This is we've seen Americans do this. We've seen people invade countries to keep their companies going. So so what do you say to that concern? Well, uh, as we're speaking, uh, Doug Ford is using the notwithstanding clause to violate the free speech rights of Ontarians. Well, if the if we pass a law, if a, a socialist government passed a law to nationalize and democratize the economy and the courts told us no, well, we could also use the notwithstanding clause. If they can use it for right-wing reasons, we can use it for left-wing reasons. Although I don't even know whether we'd have to. Uh, you'd have to be a legal scholar. But I, I wanted to push back on this idea that barbarism is winning. Actually, I don't Oh, think I don't think it, it is. is. No, yes. I, I just said there's that. We see yes. it in the attack on the, the Muslim family. We see it on yes, the- Yes, right? yeah. well, well, I think, I think, but I think that's a really important debate because it's a really important debate whether everything is just awful or every, or whether we are hopeful for the future. And the fact is, capitalism is awful, 
but there is incredible hope for the future. And it is important that our leaders and our organizations communicate that hope, communicate to, to the oppressed and working class people that there's more of us than them and united we can win. And, and, I, and I give you some examples. In the face of the horror of a single individual in London, Ontario, incredible outpouring of solidarity from everybody, right? So in the face of the horror, don't forget the solidarity. In, like, in the face of the horror of the Kamloops school kids, the indigenous kids, well, an incredible groundswell of public opinion. And actually, and that wouldn't have happened in the past. The fact is that in, indigenous issues were not supported by the majority of Canadians until recently, until recently. And so much so that, uh, yeah, we were part of uh, the demonstration at uh, uh, the university formerly known as Ryerson, uh, X university and, uh, and where the, uh, uh, it's, which inspired the bringing down of the statue. And what shows that we're in a revolutionary time is that none of the conservatives dared raise their voice. None of the right-wing media dared raise their voice. Oh, actually, I think the Toronto Sun put, put out a ridiculous article today, but it was almost incoherent. And, and so that shows the wave of, uh, revolutionary opinion amongst working class people and oppressed people. And, and, and of course, th th there's, there's huge problems. There is a polarization. There's a collapse of liberalism. And actually to go back to what we're saying about the NDP, if the NDP appears to be the left wing of the liberals, then the NDP will be thrown in the garbage of history like the liberals when there is a polarization to the left and to the right. It is, it's vitally important that the NDP be socialist to be an anti-establishment uh, voice of the left to the failing status quo. Otherwise, you've only got the anti-establishment voice of the right. But again, people are looking for socialism. And, and there's going to be, yes, there's been these huge bailouts, the totally corrupt uh, wage subsidy system that uh, went to line the, the, uh, the coffers of the big corporations, but they're gonna try and make working class people pay for that. And so there's gonna be huge fight back. There's gonna be a huge fight back over that uh, because it, it, the money went to the corporations and the rich, and now they're gonna try and make the working class people pay. So there's gonna be a big fight back, but I think working class people can win. And to quote Jake, Jack Layton, in terms of socialism, don't let anybody tell you it cannot be done. And it can be done, but it needs leadership and courage. Preach it, brother. Um, so uh, interestingly enough, when that Ryerson statue was pulled down, the head ended up at 1492 Landback Lane with Skylar Williams, who's been on the show as well a couple of times in the past. So, um, and actually, I think you've got a convoy going up there soon and taking goods. So that's another thing you can do out there in listener land is support them. Um, it's an occupation that's been ongoing now for over a year around a year, over a year now, I think. So um, they need stuff. So help them out. 
help them out if you can. We just have a few minutes left. Uh, and you're listening, of course, to the Radical Reverend Show. It's been really fun to have Nikki Ashton on MP from Manitoba, uh, but really our MP from all across Canada, and Alex Grant uh, from Fight Back. Um, so, uh, and, and okay, so I just want to end with, I'm uh, going to end with you, Nikki, and and because you know, originally we wanted to talk more about socialism and the NDP, and we just got on to everything else. Um, but but here's the thing. I mean, when you look at what, for example, um, uh, one of our saints, uh, Tommy Douglas, did in one province, brought in Medicare over incredible resistance and pushback. Um, that kind of bold leadership, and I think about even social democracy in some of the Scandinavian countries that came in, that brought in, you know, you know, ch free, basically free childcare, housing, um, you know, eighty-five percent unionization rates. I mean, the kinds of things that seem utopian in Canada right now. Um, you know, how can we get the NDP to do this? I would say, uh, you know, just uh, uh, keep keep fighting back right and and you know not to appropriate fight back's name but uh oh don't, don't uh, feel happy or feel free to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i thought you might be okay with that yeah, yeah you know and i i think what we saw you know we just saw at the at the ndp convention a historic um a support for a very progressive position on palestine uh calling for israel on banning uh in canada to ban the arms uh, uh arms exports to israel and uh, uh sanctions on on products from from the illegal settlements uh right you know this this uh this resolution was was pushed in the previous convention and was stopped um and uh um you know but but again there was incredible organizing incredible solidarity building across movements and uh uh and in the end it, it passed with uh, over 80 percent support right you know the the ground has shifted uh we we we've seen that you know and i want to agree with you alex as well and and sherry that that there is incredible hope out there uh and um you know and and i think it's it is important for for us uh you know as 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 leading voices uh to to uh demand that uh, uh that our, our political parties that that uh that claim to reflect our values uh be in line with the priorities that we're putting forward that that our members are putting forward that that activists in the social movements that we believe in are putting forward uh you know and i i really I, I think we it's it is a new day. I think coming out of COVID nineteen, uh, you know, so many are are looking for for bold. Uh, uh transformative vision uh, right from our economy to healthcare to education. Uh, and I would say first and foremost, it's young people who have the most to lose, who have lost so much and who have the most to lose. So if we're going to talk about a, a, a future worth fighting for, it's got to be in lockstep with uh, with a generation that is 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 willing to uh, uh, to 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 change everything. Right. Because, again, not because it's it's uh, it's a good thing to do, because it's necessary. Our survival depends on it. Uh, I, I, I believe we are entering an even more hopeful time. Um, but let's not let up the pressure uh, on, uh, you know, on our, our on our political representation uh, representatives and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and what uh, they should be standing for. And I really want to uh, acknowledge the work of of um, of fight back and, and so many others who keep the pressure on and and who 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 bring that um 
uh, you know, that that sense of hope, that sense of 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 movement and dynamism, right, in in the work that you do. And and Sherry, you know, you're you're you know, you bring our voices together. Uh, you you get the messages out so clearly in in social media. You support marginalized communities like uh, like nobody else, and you give them a voice. We need to be listening to your voices. Uh, we need our voices to be uh, to be heard, and most importantly, those who've uh, who've borne the brunt of of a system that's uh, uh, that's not just broken, but we know was built this way. So let's keep going. Thank you. And on that very hopeful note, uh, we will call it a wrap. Uh, join us again in September. Uh, you can hear this, of course, on CIUT 89.5 FM. And by the way, keep supporting the only alternative radio station in the GTA. And of course, on SoundCloud and iTunes and all of those corporate things too. So till next time on The Radical Reverend Show. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Alex. CIUT 89.5 Toronto.